Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. Matt Harmon here. We've got a great show in front of you today, mostly because we are joined by one of my favorite up-and-coming fantasy voices out there on the podcast today, the one and only Laquan Jones at Real Deal Fantasy on Twitter, writer for downtownrams.com, plus many else, many more things. Laquan, I'm so hyped that if anybody is actually watching any of the clips from this show, they could see we are decked out in our loud, colorful shirts. We look like we're better suited for, I don't know, some kind of tiki bar vacation spot somewhere. Not really a fantasy podcast, but I'm excited to have you on the show today. Yeah, man. I'm loving the shirt, by the way. It, it's sick. I kind of right want back it. at but, you. you know, <laughs> I like that we were able to connect today on the on the loud shirts, man. It's always a summer vibe with us. Well, <laughs> af- after we had, you know, our show that we did for your for your YouTube channel. Yeah, it was an honest mistake by me to just come here wearing like a damn T-shirt and a forward hat. Uh, so I went ahead and, and made the change before we started recording, because as you like to say, it's fire content only yes. around these here parts. And we're going to get into some of your spicier takes later, some of the things that you're kind of outside the consensus on. We're going to get into the news, but I also want you to tell the people before we jump in here where they can find you, you know, some of the stuff that you're working on right now. Hey, man, you guys can find me everywhere. Most social media platforms. There's TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. I'm there. Twitter, of course, YouTube as well, Real Deal Fantasy. And I got a lot of things on the works, man. I'm just out here just trying to grind and, you know, put out good content, fire content only, really. But uh, there it is. It's really, really just be on the lookout. Awesome, man. Yeah, it's exciting. I, I think I've started following you recently. You're doing great stuff. I loved being on your show. Good energy, good knowledge, everything. So let's just dive right into it, man. Yeah. Um, you know, it's training camp season, and most of the news that we are trying to avoid is injury news, yet like 90% of the news that we're talking about yeah. is injury news if it's not player deployment, stuff like that. So we got a couple injury-based storylines to jump into right away here. The first one is Hunter Henry dealing with a shoulder injury. He's expected to miss a few weeks, not considered to be super serious, but he could miss the rest of training camp, the preseason, everything like that. What were what was your initial reaction to the Henry news? Where are you at kind of with the Patriots offense in general, especially fellow free agent signee Johnu Smith? Initially, like when you get the notification of an injury, you always hope that it's nothing too serious that, you know, yeah. Hunter Henry, he already has his injury history, but like my first thought process was, 
what does this mean for John New? And I honestly think it doesn't mean too much because I already think they were both going to be on the field. So I really feel like the next step up for the tight end, you know, the backup will probably get his reps as well. Much needed reps. I think, you know, you can never go wrong with depth, especially when you have a guy that's dealt with injury before. But Mm -hmm. I mean, Henry, I really feel like, you know, he was going to make some type of impact this year, but probably with the shoulder injury, it'll probably be lingering. So I don't know if I'm like on board with Henry anymore, you know, already with yeah. the questions going into draft day. I'm leaning more towards, you know, taking John New and feeling more comfortable with John New in that offense. Yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I was really excited about John New Smith kind of anyways. I feel like he was yeah. probably the preferred pass catcher of these two guys. And which is interesting, too, because Henry has a pretty good history as a pass catcher. And he has been a split. Honestly, it's weird because he's been more of like a split out move tight end in the mm-hmm. early part of his career. Whereas Janu basically because of the offense he played in, in Tennessee was more of that inline guy, you know, was the blocker there uh, yeah. just again, because mostly where he played, but now I think in new England, those roles could be kind of flipped, right? Like I think yep. Janu, cause he's just such a stud athlete Oof. could be the move tight end here. I already had him, among my top 12 tight ends in a pretty appealing tier. I just put yep. out my tight end tiers today. Um, he was someone I was already kind of willing to be ahead of the consensus on. This just makes me feel like even better about that, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the man in open space is very dangerous. He's he's fast. He's physical. I love everything that I saw, you know, with Johnny Smith on tape. And I think, you know, him with Bill Belichick being the great coach he is, we're going to see, you know, John New all over the place. Like, we've seen him line up in the backfield. I know you saw that clip. That was oh, yeah. really exciting. I mean, that's not the first time we've seen him. We've seen him, he, he did it with Tennessee, broke off for, you know, a large chunk of yards. So I think, man, this is this is going to be very electric, and I love where I'm getting him in drafts. A lot of people are still asleep, but, you know, that's fine. Let him sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Let him sleep, man. Let him sleep. I really think this whole offense is fascinating, too. Where are you at with kind of like the receivers as well? Because Nikhil Harry's popped up, too, as like he's maybe actually kind of having a pretty decent camp. Yeah. I really like Jacoby Myers as a player. Nelson yes. Aguilar, big free agency signing. But I, I still feel like I'm, I've am i been breaking ties in favor of Janu and Jacoby Myers as the guys I want to draft there. What about you? 100% agree. Jacoby Myers is one of those guys that, you know, I've really like didn't really get into him until this offseason when I started looking at his mm-hmm. numbers. I'm like, wow, you know, seven out of 11 of those games, he had double digit points. I mean, he didn't have any yeah. touchdowns, but, you know, I blame Cam Newton with his 12 rushing touchdowns. So when he got in the right. red zone, you know, wide receivers suffered a little bit. But I like John. I, I like uh, Jacoby Myers and John New Smith. Those are the only two guys that I really find myself getting, you know, max value from because they're so cheap and they're still cheap. And we're in the middle of August and it's like. All right, you know, people still sleep again. So I'll, I'll take I'll take Jacoby Myers, you know, all day long. And I think, you know, I think we kind of want to lean towards more of Cam Newton being the starter, but that might be the issue with the touchdown. So I really feel like I'll be okay with a Mac Jones coming in. He's slinging the ball and then getting the ball to the wide receivers and John New Smith in the red zone instead of worrying about Cam Newton running it in every single time. I know my producer, Brett, is like sick of me talking about the 49ers offense. And when, you know, Trey Lance gets in there, it's going to completely change the dynamic of that. And I've I've talked about that, I think, on every podcast. And by the way, uh, I've also like on every podcast I've guested on, I've made this exact same uh, joke, too. So like, Brett, don't worry, your name is getting out there a ton, buddy, buddy. I'm I'm uh, I'm 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 popping you out there. But the point I'm saying, guys, (laughs) the point (laughs) the point I'm saying with all of this is 
like, I think in the same way, New England is going to have this, a similar situation. Like when the rookie takes over, and I think at some point, Mac Jones is probably going to start games this year. Yeah. I, I'm a big Cam Newton fan. I, I've loved his career and everything. But I think at some point, Mac Jones is going to start games this year. Mm-hmm. So that's going to change the way this offense operates from a volume perspective. Similarly, when Trey Lance gets in there and he's a rushing quarterback, he's going to change the volume of plays, the volume of pass attempts, the volume of rush attempts for a team like San Francisco. Mac Jones is going to do kind of the opposite for New England and that it could actually open up the passing volume a little bit more. So if you believe that Mac Jones is going to start the majority of the games, I think Cam is probably going to start week one because it doesn't sound like the drumbeat out of camp is that uh, Mac Jones has had that big of a showing. Yeah. Then you would project guys like Myers and Smith and all these players to maybe outkick their ADP. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I mean, I, I honestly think, you know, Let's say the first seven weeks, Cam Newton's in there, you know, they're not looking too good with their record. So I really think, you know, Bill Belichick's on the, you know, pull the trigger and get, you know, Mac Jones the reps and see what he has for the next year. It might be, you know, after the bye week, you never know. So I really feel like, you know, Mac Jones gets in, he changes the whole game plan. So I really think the wide receiver core would get a bump. I really think they have some decent pass catchers like Nelson Aguilar. I love that he landed there. I think, you know, Bill Belichick will be able to use him very well. Yeah, definitely is a vertical guy for sure. All right, and other not-so-great injury news, uh, one of my favorite players this year, a guy that I was ahead of consensus on, Rashad Bateman, left practice yesterday with an apparent soft tissue injury. <laughs> not great. Look, we don't oh. want um, anybody getting soft tissue injuries in training camp, especially a rookie wide receiver who's getting his timing down, everything like that. Like. Lamar just got back off the damn COVID list, you know, so Bateman, Bateman has been having a good, a good training camp and all that, you know, like I think he's been having a good camp and Marquise Brown also has missed time too. So I think that led Bateman to get a little bit of a bump, but man, now Lamar gets back in there. He's been having, Bateman's been having all these good reps without Lamar in the picture. Now it's just kind of tough. Like where are you at with this Ravens pass game as a whole and, and specifically this Bateman injury? I mean, man, it's so unfortunate, man. Guys like Bateman, we want them to be so good. We want them to, you know, get that chemistry uh, built up with Lamar Jackson. And now it's kind of like flip-flop. Lamar Jackson's out. He didn't get the reps with him. Now Lamar Jackson's going to get the reps with Bateman with the soft tissue. And the soft tissue is probably going to linger into the season. So we're not going to get 100% Bateman. So I think, you know, they probably go back. Not even go back. I know it's a run-first offense. It's just unfortunate you know, we won't get to see, you know, a hundred percent healthy Bateman. Yeah. And I think Bateman was a guy who could have just changed the way they operate in terms of being yes. not a pass first offense. They'll never be that way, but maybe. Big, yeah. Just more balance. Also more efficiency mm-hmm. from a passing perspective too. Cause you know, you can look at these guys that they've had over the last few years, you know, look at a player like, Miles Boykin or like, my God, they were running up like the husk of Des Bryant last year, like literally yeah. Des Bryant after not playing football for like three years, <laughs> three years. And he's playing like major snaps for them. Bateman could have been a guy that I think is as a player, as a route runner, as a technician, very similar to a Justin Jefferson or a Keenan mm-hmm. Allen and could have made yeah. that both those guys made instant impacts as rookies because they knew how to run routes and separate. Like I thought Bateman could have been that guy, but I don't know. Now I think we. this is one of the situations that we have to monitor, too, because like it's just not been a great 
couple of weeks for Lamar, you know, in, in yeah. particular, cause he's missed time. We know he's at risk to go on the COVID list again, all that type of stuff. Yeah. And like, I thought that I was willing to have my neck out there, like in terms of spicy takes that I think Lamar was the QB one heading into this year because Ooh. of the way that Bateman would have changed the passing game, making yes. it more efficient, pushing Lamar back to the area where in 2019, he led the NFL in touchdown rate was top five in yards per attempt. Now, if we're, you know, looking at a hobbled rookie in Rashad Bateman, Marquise Brown coming into the year, a little banged up. Sammy Watkins is maybe their number one receiver. Like yeah. now we're back to the same old Ravens from last year, you know? Exactly. That's, that's what's like worrying me too. Like Sammy Watkins has a, you know, a little up and down, you know, shaky injury history. And then Marquise Brown a little banged up. Now I really wasn't like a big Hollywood Brown guy to begin with. I mean, he's a speedster. Like I, I, I say a lot on my podcast, on my show, it's either you have two, ways you could split as a speedster. You could be a Tavon Austin or you could be a Tyreek Hill. So I think, you know, Hollywood Brown was like in between of making that, you know, that turn yeah. to where he could be either or, but coming in banged up now, he's not going to be playing hundred percent. It's just unfortunate that this offense is falling apart before the season. I mean, are we really going to lean on Sammy Watkins, you know, week to week? Are we going to believe and trust that we're going to full send that? That's not like a start and forget. So it's like, oh, man, I don't know if I grab any of these pass catchers this year. Let me tell you what. I am not full sending Sammy Watkins. Uh, <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm the Baltimore Ravens, that is not what I want to do. No. Um, and, yeah, I did actually kind of forget that uh, actually Sammy Watkins, he had his one big year in 2015 with Greg Roman as his offensive coordinator. And Greg uh, Roman obviously still with the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, Sammy Watkins is is kind of a Greg Roman guy. Greg Roman was like singing his praises somewhat mm -hmm. recently too so listen i mean i think it's just one of those situations where this is if, if you were willing to be optimistic on the ravens offense i think you got to kind of dial back the expectations a little bit i know after having this conversation with you i think one of the first things i'm going to do is go to my tears and bring <laughs> lamar off the qb1 spot like maybe yeah. take, maybe bring him back to three i mean he just has so much rushing upside right like we know he's probably going to yeah. crack a thousand yards again this year but we needed the passing efficiency to come with it and with bateman being banged up i think I think it's probably time to let that go. You know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What, let it what go. Let <laughs> time to let it go. Time to let it go. All right. I would love to know how you felt about the report that kind of rocked fantasy Twitter yesterday with the Bengals and talk about no good headlines so far. Like, Beat writers, observers of the Bengals offense have not been very excited, but there was a particular report from the athletics Paul Danner Jr. reported that Jamar Chase has not shown as much separation as you'd hope I'm not gonna I'm gonna save my reaction I'm gonna just yeah. let you go first what did you think when you heard that it's care alarm. don't care it's it, I care because it's a little alarming about you know the investment we put on Jamar Chase when it comes draft day we have you know T Higgins going off we have Chase going off and we even believe Boyd will be somebody that can, you know, contribute as well to be a guy you can draft. So hearing he's not like getting separation against a bad Bengals defense, mm -hmm. it's a little mm -hmm. alarming. I, I honestly, I, I just want to pump the brakes a little bit because it's still camp. You know, people are going half speed. It's not like, you know, we're seeing, you know, game time speed. So I really feel right. like, you know, I'll keep that in the back of my head, like come draft day. Like, this guy's not really getting separation against a bad defense. 
So let me just move on. You know what I mean? So I feel like, you know, getting that notification, I'm not a big film guy, but apparently like, you know, the, the t- Twitter streets were saying, you know, this is something they had concerns on draft day about him in college, about him not being like a, a big guy that can separate. He's a more of a 50, 50 guy. So, right. Yeah. So I think it's a little wiki wonky. <laughs> It's not what you want to hear, right? Like usually this is the time for, if it's not injury news, it's beautiful optimism. It's man, look at CeeDee Lamb making these crazy catches. You know, it's look at Matthew Stafford gunning it down the field. Look at Trevor Lawrence making Laquan Treadwell look good. You know, like that's the type of hype you want. You want out of training. By the way, like Laquan Treadwell, I can't believe we're talking about Laquan Treadwell here in in 2021, right? right? Like unbelievable. (laughs) Also, no. yeah, if Trevor if Trevor Lawrence revives Laquan Treadwell's career, he is QB Jesus. Like he yes, is the he's god the of goat. quarterback. He's, yeah, he's the goat. He's already <laughs> the goat. He's already the goat. Like, sorry, Tom Brady. I know all Super Bowls, whatever. Like this guy brought mm-hmm. Laquan Treadwell back to life. Give me a break. Um, I think that it's just one of those things where I'm gonna file it away, but I actually just as long as the guy's still getting playing time, as long as he's still running with the first team. I'm willing to not panic too much about it. It actually kind of reminds me almost like a light version, not even as bad as what we heard with Justin Jefferson last year. Like I know this was like a thousand years ago, but you know, there were a lot of beat writers that were observing Justin Jefferson, you know, not playing well um, in his training camp, dropping passes, maybe not getting open as much. And, you know, he was actually, he was actually not running with the first team to the point that he wasn't even a starter the first two weeks of the season, you know, which is, yeah. And a lot of people like me that kept consideration what the beat writers were saying, I ended up dropping him week two. So right, said, right. Because oh, he wasn't playing. He was barely he wasn't playing. playing. And you, you're, you're, you're basically like remembering he had a bad camp and preseason he wasn't looking good. He's not playing with the ones. And then you drop him. And then week three, he just explodes. And then right. for the rest of the season, it's like, oh, my God. But I think that goes into notion that we need to be patient with our rookies. Like, Last year was like a little, little crazy with COVID and stuff like that. So it's like, ah, we need to just be patient. And I got to stick with that. I got to stick to my guns sometimes. Also worth noting, Jamar Chase did not play football last year. You know, he he actually opted out of the 2020 season. So the fact that maybe he's still getting his, you know, wings under him or whatever, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. I also thought too, you know, I mean, Laquan, you know, I, I spent a little time watching wide receivers uh, you know, yeah, a little bit of course <laughs> a little bit like <laughs> <A little> <laughs> I just a little bit and with Jamar Chase specifically yeah obviously he was not Devontae Smith he was not you know Jalen Waddle he was not Elijah Moore these guys that were I think the elite separators of last year's class or this mm-hmm. year's class but I still think that like the concerns that he would just never get open I think that was kind of overblown. Like he's got enough technical precision that once he gets comfortable in the NFL game, I think he'll be fine as a separator. You know, he could be a sort of early career Larry Fitzgerald type is sort of what I I would put him as in terms of separation. But his strengths, his strengths are contested catches and winning after the catch. And if they can scheme him into yak situations and he can be a 50-50 ball guy, he's going to fill the needs that that offense had. My biggest problem was just actually heading into training camp for the Bengals, you know, there was no more inefficient pass last year, Laquan, than Joe Burrow to A.J. Green yeah. down the field in the deep game. I mean, Burrow was the stone worst deep passer last year. Yeah. And I, I'll pose this question to you because I don't really know the answer. I think it's kind of an unknowable question. 
How much of that is AJ Green is toast? And how much of that is just Joe Burrow doesn't have that strong of an arm? Um, it's definitely Joe Burrow doesn't have that strong of an arm. I didn't even think AJ Green was like toasted. If you look at his actual stats, true catch rate, all that stuff, there's only 16 mm. balls, you know, that he didn't make. And a lot of those numbers are like overblown because there weren't, you know, passes that were on target. And that just goes yeah. into Joe Burrow being inaccurate. So I don't believe AJ Green is toasted at all. I mean, just to touch on him quickly, I think him not being the guy over there in Arizona is going to be like the best thing for him because they have D hop. So if D hops doubled, he's getting against the best uh, corners. AJ Green is still a good guy that can get separation and just be a freak athlete. So I'm full sending AJ Green this season. Interesting. Now that is a spicy take. Cause I think the aggressive, like the, the consensus is like AJ Green is done. Yeah. Rondale Moore is the guy that can step up there to be the number two, maybe Christian Kirk. But like, I mean, they're really going to only ask him to be a situational player, yes. right? Like they're not mm-hmm. going to ask him to be, I don't even think they'll ask AJ Green to be their true number two receiver. I think they'll yeah. have him be more of like, you know, a committee number two with Rondale Moore, who's had a good camp and looks pretty good. Yeah. Um, the problem is AJ Green is dealing with an injury right now. And that's like kind of always the problem with AJ. Always Green. It's the like problem. when, yeah, right. When is the other shoe going to drop with the injury situation? So there is <laughs> that, but I do, I do like the fact that you're in on AJ Green. That is interesting. Cause I've, I don't really want to go back and watch like all the AJ Green routes from last year. I really don't want to do that. <laughs> he wasn't to happy. He wasn't a happy camper last season too. Was, he had to was not happy. Like, yeah, he did not want to be there. What was the situation with like the rocky field they were playing on a couple of years ago where he got yeah. injured, all that type of stuff. Like, yeah, he was pretty much done with the Bengals. Didn't end the way that uh, he wanted to. It is what it is. But back to the Bengals here and Joe Burrow, I think it is worth noting that if we want Jamar Chase to hit his ADP, which is aggressive, like it's he's already among the top 24 receivers and yeah. he's just a rookie who isn't getting off to a rocket hot start, even if, listen, I'm not that panicked about it, but we're going to need Joe Burrow to take that next step. And there's already the reports that no. Burrow looks kind of timid, that Burrow looks a little tentative on his knee behind an offensive line that's getting their ass whooped in camp. Yeah. So like, <laughs> what God. is it just, it's a lot of, it's not, not the vibe that you want. Even if you're not panicking about this specific news report, it's a little tough like to, to get excited yeah. about the Bengals right now. It, it's a little tough because that O-line is still not playing up to par. And you have a young quarterback whose season ended after, you know, a couple weeks, you know, with that serious injury. So it's like him coming back, of course he's going to be timid. Of course he's going to be cautious. He's not going to try to, you know, make the rollout play out of the pocket and, you know, risk injury during camp. So I know he wants to play like the passions there with the kids. So it's like, he's going to play it safe. He doesn't want to get injured like right before the season. So I, I, I see a lot of, you know, uh, beat writers saying, you know, Oh, he's not making the right read and all this other stuff like that. Like just give him time. He's getting back in the football and it's like camp. So it's like, I don't really like panic too much with these beat writers. Maybe our takeaway is actually that with the Bengals, instead of drafting them aggressively, and you do really have to, and I've I've been interested in stacking the Bengals at different points, especially mm-hmm. in best ball drafts um, over the offseason, but maybe in like a traditional roster management seasonal league, which most that's what most people are playing. Yeah. Maybe the advice here is instead of drafting the Bengals aggressively, you kind of like wait to buy them low maybe yeah. later in the year when they start yeah. to figure it out. Exactly. Going aggressive is not the smart play. 
No, it doesn't seem like it. Just doesn't seem like the vibes are there. And you and I, obviously, by the shirts, are big <laughs> vibes guys. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of your brand of loud shirts, of fire content only, let's get into some spicy takes. As I promised Ooh. earlier, you know, I hit you up to come prepared with some of your most aggressive ones, some truly habanero level. Like we're not talking Cholula here, dude. Like we're not ah. talking Cholula on the. And I love Cholula, but that's not <laughs> that's not very hot. I, you know, I just want to run through like four or five guys who each of yeah. us are like kind of wildly against the grain on or at least like, you know, more positive or negative on the folks that, you know, as much as we have time for here yeah. compared to the rest of the community. Why don't you as the guest go first? Well, we're going to start off hot, man. I'm going to start off with Deshaun Jackson. Lately, we've been seeing highlights. We've been seeing Sean McVay, you know, light up ear to ear, smile and seeing him, you know, make plays. <laughs> So the hot take here is that he gives us a full season and he finishes as a top 30 wide receiver. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Forget Cholula, man. We're, we're like, I don't know. even. We're like ghost pepper hot with Deshaun Jackson as a yeah. top 30 receiver. But I know you're obviously you're connected to the Rams. Yeah, of course. You're, you're, you're literally decked out in Rams uh, gear here, as I can see behind you. Yeah. So what's kind of, I I totally hear you that this offense needs a vertical threat. Like that yeah. is the one thing. And it's funny too. Like you look at the Rams from last year, it's like the one player that they really could have used was Brandon Cooks. Yes. They, they, they like, <laughs> the guy they just traded away, yeah. which I, they had to do. Like it was one of the, like you could not pass up that offer that the Texans gave them. Um, no. Also, they needed the salary cap relief. He had injury problems, but man, they could have really used a vertical threat. And yes. that was like the one guy they missed last year. Peak Deshaun Jackson would be perfect for this team, but yeah, I don't know. Little, little, that is aggressive. <laughs> it's aggressive. I honestly think, you know, like you said, if this happened three, four years ago, I honestly think when he was on his way to Tampa, if he would have just navigated to LA, I think Sean yeah. McVay would have literally been aggressive to go get him. But I think Deshaun is still looking for the money, which we didn't have. So I really feel like, you know, now that he has Deshaun Jackson, he'll be able to utilize him as a serviceable wide receiver three. Now, I'm a big Van Jefferson guy. I love Van Je Jefferson, you know, top to bottom. And I know Sean McVay does as well. But yeah, Jackson, he's able to take the top off. He still has the speed. I think, you know, Matthew Stafford's still accurate downfield. That's a guy, you know, Deshaun Jackson, you probably live on, you know, touchdowns or, you know, the big yardage, like the 40-yarders, the 50, even maybe a 60-yarder, you know, catch. So I really feel like, you know, him finishing in the top 30, it could definitely be possible if all things are hitting on, you know, on all cylinders. And obviously, if he stays healthy. <laughs> yeah, that's the biggest thing, too, right? If he can stay healthy, because, I mean, he has made big plays for the Eagles the last couple of years. It's just been like that was a couple of plays he made. And then, yeah, yeah and then he was gone. Went. Gone. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then he was gone because he got hurt, yeah. you know, and that's kind of the deal with Deshaun Jackson in general right now. But Again, the logic behind this here is that he would stay healthy and like they're not going to ask him to play 70% of the snaps, right? Yeah, like, I think that's the understanding with Sean McVay too. He knows that he's older, you know, he's very injury prone based on his history. So I think he's going to be utilized as like a serviceable guy. He's not going to be there, you know, 60 to not, probably not even 50% of the snap share. So I really feel like, you know, if we can see him used when he needs to be used, the jet sweeps or the, you know, the deep threat, the nine route, whatever, and he scores, I think that's something, you know, possible. Like he just lives and breathes off of the touchdowns. 
Yeah, I completely agree. Again, he's going to play a a key role for this team as a situational guy, regardless Mm -hmm. when he's out there. So if they even just get him for 15, 20 snaps a game, there's going to be like four or five games during, again, in an ideal world where he stays healthy, no injuries, blah, blah, blah. And I know that world probably doesn't exist, but let's just (laughs) live in the pretend land right now. Yeah, right. (laughs) Let's just live in pretend land right now. In that situation, he's going to give them like four or five games that he absolutely, you know, just goes wild. And from like a fantasy perspective, he's going to finish among the top 10 receivers that week. I mean, you'll have no idea when those weeks are going to be. Maybe you can try to guess. But yeah, I mean, he's definitely worth taking, I think, in a best ball draft because he's absolutely free. You know, like 18th round pick. Just go for it. Shoot it. (laughs) We'll send it. And the thing we'll is, send that one, baby. We're full <laughs> sending to Sean Jackson as like a last round best ball pick. I'm glad you brought up Van Jefferson, though. I think he's key to watch in yes. the preseason. Like, is he their ex receiver? He's not really. I mean, he's not a speed guy like um, Deshaun is, but yeah. he's a good enough route runner that he can stack guys on the outside and potentially be their number three receiver that they really need to make some plays down the field. So he exactly. is a guy to watch, even if Deshaun is going to play this big role for them as well. All right, Laquan, I'll I'll give one guy here that I'm way ahead of consensus on, and he's not a guy that I would have expected. Again, I mentioned receivers. That's kind of Mm -hmm. my bread and butter, whatever. There's a lot of guys that I'm really high on. One guy, if you look at like my rankings compared to consensus rankings, that I'm like 10 freaking spots higher on than everybody else, and I did not expect it. It's Corey Davis. And oh God! I know, right? <laughs> oh God! I gotta hear this one. Oh God! <laughs> Let me sit up. <laughs> when you when you can listen when you can get a free agent receiver changing teams to the Jets, uh, whose rookie quarterback is like not having a great camp, you got to do it, dude. Let me just yeah. tell you that. No, but my logic with this one is, I think that there's been so much kind of, and there's a lot of hype on Elijah Moore and I'm, I'm ahead of consensus with Elijah Moore as well. I'm a big Elijah Moore fan. I think he's going to have, I think he's going to be an electric guy right from the jump. I wish the, I wish he was the Packers number two receiver right now instead of the Jets number two receiver. But with Corey Davis, I think there's been a lot of fretting about like, where is Denzel Mims on the depth chart? Is this Keelan Cole thing really legit, man, they bring back Jamison Crowder. I think the one receiver who has an established role in New York right now is Corey Davis. Because even if you like Elijah Moore, projecting him as their outside number two receiver is a bit of a projection because he was a slot guy in college. Um, I think think Moore can play outside. I'm very excited about Elijah Moore. But I still think when you look at Corey Davis, he's the one guy who has experience as an outside guy. He's their most like just experienced receiver in general. He's a good fit in the offense. He played in a similar type of system with uh, Arthur Smith in Tennessee, another offshoot Shanahan system. You know, I think he's going to run a lot of the routes like digs, um, slant routes, some of those in breaking routes that are going to be kind of the bread and butter of this Shanahan scheme. And really just the reality is when you look where he goes in drafts, something like 10th round, 11th round, look at the guys that he's being drafted around. You can probably bet. Like he probably has the most bankable target share of any of those players. So I have him ranked at like wide receiver 35 because he just projects really well from a volume perspective. Like I think all of these other jets receivers could rotate and he's going to be on the field for like every single snap. And look, yeah, this Jets offense could be a little rocky this year, right? Because yeah. Zach Wilson really? is their literally their only option. 
Like <laughs> they don't have a veteran on on the they roster. They don't. They don't. Not at all. So I don't know. I, I I did not expect to be ahead of consensus on Corey Davis because I, I don't think he's like a number one receiver or anything. But yeah. I don't know. There's some logic to it. So I last Saturday I was at the Jets scrimmage, the the green and white, you know, scrimmage they have every year. I feel okay. like I I really liked what I saw from Corey Davis and Zach Wilson did have, you know, struggling times. I don't think it is as bad as everybody was reporting, but he did overall have a bad, you know, game, bad scrimmage. So what I noticed was Elijah Moore, he would look to him a lot. Like he would look his way a lot. He will be the first read. So when it's not okay. there, he went to Corey Davis as a security blanket. So being that Corey Davis is like the veteran there, the veteran mouthpiece, I really feel like you might see a lot of targets go to Corey Davis, kind of like, you know, what we saw in Tennessee. He's playing the number two guy, but really he's a security blanket with a very young, struggling rookie quarterback. So that was something that I, I kind of took up and I was like, oh, wow, he's hitting Corey Davis a lot. And even with Jameson Crowder, when he was on the field as well, he was like, that first read just this wasn't there so he's not trying to make the mistakes he's not trying to you know force the ball so I, overall I don't think he had a terrible scrimmage I think he just had a bad one where he had two interceptions that he kind of you know tried to thread the needle with yeah and look it's gonna happen right as a rookie you know coming from a small conference school mm-hmm. um that's kind of my worry is that I really like Corey Davis and I really like um like I like Corey Davis in fantasy this year and I really love Elijah Moore as a player overall a like player, I want to yeah. be buying he's all of the Elijah oh my god he's so in good he's so he's good disgusting he caught back-to-back passes in traffic two defenders on him just snags it out of the air and brings it down it's a, like it's he could he could legit be the next Antonio Brown. I would like he's <laughs> yeah, that I good of a he's that good of a route runner. He's yeah. that good of a contested catch receiver, and, and especially after the catch too. Like mm-hmm. that was what made Antonio Brown Antonio Brown when he started his career was like he yeah. just was so shifty in the open field, and then as he perfected the route running part of it, that's when he became. I mean, like in Antonio I mean, Brown's peak, he was like a top five receiver that ever played football. So yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's crazy uh, you say that because Antonio Brown was taking kick returns and punt returns. Exactly. Elijah Moore last Saturday was doing that, and he was yeah. just bursting out as soon as he got yeah. it. I mean, I can honestly see it. I love it. Look at buy it. <laughs> yeah. Listen. Either way, if the Corey Davis take ends up being wrong, the Elijah Moore take will end up being right. So I have immunity. I have a, I have immunity <laughs> on this take. I like how um, you did get, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, if uh, let me let me get the next one that you've got. Oh man! So this next one, you know, it, I don't know if it is a hot take, but I think you know Austin Eckler will lead the running backs in receptions. Now, hear me yeah. out. I know CMC okay. is there, but but I really feel like you know Justin Herbert is going to be hitting on all seal, c- cylinders, and I really feel like CMC is going to have like a slow start like kind of similar to what we're seeing with Seiko and Barkley. It's just not being reported. So I think they're going to ease CMC back into it. But then again, you look at Joe Brady, he doesn't really need to lean on CMC as the sole guy there. He has very good pass catchers. Marshall's having a good camp as well. So that ball could be spread around between a stud wide receiver one, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, who has the chemistry and history, you know, with Sam Darnold. So not much pressure is on CMC. I do think CMC will still be able to make plays, He'll score. The only difference between Austin Eckler and CMC really is that Eckler doesn't get that many rushing touchdowns. CMC does. CMC gets the passing touchdowns as well. So I think Austin Eckler could lead, you know, running backs and receptions and end up being, you know, maybe 
or before again. Who knows? Right. I, I love Austin Eckler. I was yeah. ranking him very aggressively, drafting him very aggressively last year. And obviously with the injuries, injuries, it didn't work out. But when he was on the field, he was, especially in PPR formats, was a oh complete animal. It's disgusting. You know, he, and when he came back from injury, he had 16 targets against Buffalo. Like Exactly. It's yeah. amazing. I, I need all of that all season. Exactly. And look, like if you look at their depth chart right now, too, there are not that many proven pass catchers. There's Keenan Allen, there's Austin Eckler, and then there's Mike Williams, and then there's a bunch of like end of roster guys. Like we'll see. Yeah, Josh Palmer's on my radar, though. Yeah, no, Palmer's interesting <laughs> as a potential deep guy, like a deep yeah. sleeper there. Donald Parham, the uh, former XFL tight yeah. end. We'll see if he can beat like if he can beat out Jared Cook. He's a know. really interesting late yeah. round guy, you know, like that's an interesting situation to monitor. But man, I look at this offense right now and I think unless these guys like Palmer or Parham take like a big step forward, it's going to be a really constricted passing game yep. with Allen, Eckler, and Williams. If Williams can stay healthy too, like if Williams can stay healthy too, he's sort of in that Keenan or uh, that Corey Davis range where he's going to like moonwalk into a hundred targets, you know, just based on what they've got there. But always injury questions with him. But the main point here is Austin Eckler is locked in to again. He's probably going to catch like ninety balls, ninety plus balls this year. You know, if that, like at a bare minimum, if he stays healthy, he's catching ninety passes, and then it's just. From the receiving angle, I think I think you've got a great odds of hitting on this take. It's basically just for like the rest of his fantasy stock. How many touchdowns is he going to score? Mm-hmm. Um, that's the biggest question. And and you know, are is one of these other guys like Josh Kelly or um, yeah. Roundtree? Like, are they going to be goal line guys, or is it all going to be the Austin Eckler show? I, I hope it's the Austin Eckler show. I want to hit on this take really because I got Max Scherzer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly um one thing i i i actually was on the radio last night and one of the callers asked me is it crazy to take austin eckler over alvin Kamara?" i want to hear your reaction to this because my initial reaction is like yeah it's it, i'm probably not going to do it right like i'm going to take yeah. Kamara. i still have Kamara at rb5 and austin eckler at rb9 with yeah. a tear gap between the two but listen if you think about the recipe for a star fantasy back, yeah. it's pass catching work, workhorse ability, and playing for a great offense with and being attached to a great quarterback. Yeah. Check, check for Austin Eckler there with great offense, probably, and a good ascending young quarterback. Mm, not so much for Alvin Kamara, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. They'll be, they might be a pretty good offense because Sean Payton still exists. He's still yeah. a person that mm-hmm. matters a lot. But quarterback situation, a mess. We have no idea what's going to happen there. And their wide receivers are about as bad, worse, honestly. They're the worst in the league without Michael Thomas out there. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a little alarming, you know, that we still don't know who the starting quarterback is. But whatever, we'll, we'll find out soon. But Austin Eckler over Kamara, I don't know, because the difference still lies on is he going to be able to have the red zone opportunities? Is he going to score? Now, a weird stat that I found out, Kalen Balazs and Austin Eckler had the same amount of, you know, scoring opportunities in their red zone. So with that being said, it's like, ugh, it's the touchdown that's really going to hurt <laughs> yeah, you there. Gross. But I really think Alvin Kamara, he's going to be the guy that you lean on. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I think definitely, you know, I'm still taking Kamara. You don't want that gap. 
you, you don't want that much of a, a connection there between Kalen Balage and Austin Eckler. You don't want that. Well, you don't want that at all. Let's move on to another one here. I this I think we might have talked about this guy on your show, <laughs> but I want to revisit it here on this show as well. I don't understand uh, why the ADP on AJ Dillon is so low. I don't get it. I think this guy is going to offer standalone value <laughs> because you just look at all the touches Jamal Williams has left behind. You know he's going to get some mm-hmm. access to some work there. Also, Aaron Jones already banged up with a hamstring injury. You know, that, we didn't talk about that in terms of training camp injuries, but already banged up. So AJ Dillon's already getting that work in. And that's kind of the he's the perfect mix of a late round running back that you can take that has some weekly usability because of the role that Jamal Williams has left behind and because of the upside there with Aaron Jones if he gets hurt. And again, he's already hurt. You know, like yeah. this is already part of the equation that's already coming to pass. So I don't know. I think there's a scenario where AJ Dillon is like a top 20 running back this year. At, you know, even if um, even if Aaron Jones plays like 13, 14 games, because he could have like a couple monster games. And it just sounds like Matt LaFleur has always been a two back guy, right? Like, yeah, I think we talked about this on your show again, like that, like do people forget like all of the crying that they did when they had Aaron Jones on their fantasy <laughs> team that this yeah. guy, Jamal Williams is still out there. <laughs> you think they're not going to throw AJ Dillon into that role as well? 100%. And he fits it well. That's why he was drafted. I think AJ Dillon is too low because People were like falling in love with the Aaron Jones touchdowns and all the other stuff. But again, you touch back onto it where we we're crying about Williams getting those opportunities as well. So I really feel like AJ Dillon is one of those guys I, I was really, really rooting for last season, even with the Williams there. This year, he's going to shine. Like he does not mm-hmm. need to be slept on. Like he needs to be on your roster. He's like one of those must have, you know, guys that you can get in those later, later rounds. He's definitely going to perform, definitely plug and play into that Williams role. I love that. Yeah, he is a must-have player to me. I think he's my favorite draft pick this entire year that's not a wide receiver. You know, like, I've got about 35 wide receivers that I want to draft this year. But, like, in terms of running backs, he's the one late-round guy that I really – I find myself really, really gravitating to. Absolutely. All right, let's go around one more from each of us. Again, you go first. All right, so Marvin Jones is most likely going to be a top-20 wide receiver. And I I say that being that he is the veteran mouthpiece there. He's the veteran guy there. Again, he has a young quarterback who's going to want to be more comfortable with security with the Marvin Jones because back-to-back years, we see this guy find the end zone. He's a guy that scores nine touchdowns. That's something, you know, that is getting left behind. Like, nobody's thinking about because he's one of those guys you can get in the 10th, 11th round like we've been doing for the past two years, and he's blowing away his ADP, performing at, what, a wide receiver 18 last year? That's something that we're getting into a new Urban Meyer Jaguars offense that's going to be fast, electric, and I really think feel like Marvin Jones can be that red zone target to get you the touchdowns that we all desperately love. Yeah, this is one I've talked about all offseason, that like the gap between the Jaguars receivers in terms of ADP, like that's got to close. Like yeah, Marvin Jones needs to come up. DJ Chark needs to come down. I think LaVisca Chenault is right in the right range. You know, like wide receiver 45, 47, sort of 
right around there, I think is fine. But Chark needs to come down closer to him and Jones needs to come up. Like I would be 0% surprised. Literally everybody I ask this to would be like 0% surprised if Marvin Jones is just the best and most productive receiver yeah. in Jacksonville this year. Connection with the offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel brings him over from Detroit. Proven skill set. Like you mentioned, he just outkicks his ADP every year because he's a really underrated receiver. Yeah. And, and he's always cheap. He's always been my go-to guy when I need a wide receiver three or four, he's a plug and play, man. He performs, he steps up and shows out. He's not a bench warmer. He's a guy you can rely on and can put in your lineup and feel safe about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Again, he wins in the most important areas. He wins as a touchdown scorer and he wins down the field, which is going to be crucial, I think, for a guy in Trevor Lawrence, who, as we mentioned earlier, is already throwing dimes in training camp to damn Laquan Treadwell. Like, I think he can do that in the real games for Marvin Jones. (laughs) My last guy here, my last guy before we wrap it up. Damian Harris. I think Damian Harris can be a top 15 running back. We started Patriots offense. Let's finish Patriots offense. So like, again, this is the kind of like the difference between a Mac Jones offense and a Cam Newton offense. If Cam Newton's good enough to hold the job, you know, you're not going to get the touchdowns necessarily with Damian Harris. Cause as you mentioned, Cam is going to take most of those rushing touchdowns, but if, and when Mac Jones takes over, I think it's not just going to open up the touchdown, like rushing touchdowns inside the five-yard line sort of situation for Damian Harris. I also think he can get some pass catching work too. Like I don't think he is like Garrett Blunt, you know, like a total dud as a pass catcher, like a yeah. um, some of these early down bangers like Sony Michelle that uh, the Patriots have have employed previously. He's another guy that goes almost sort of in the same range as AJ Dillon, but a little bit earlier. Where I just think he's like a lock to outkick his ADP, and if you start like wide receiver heavy early on, like get you some Damian Harris later, yeah. get you some AJ Dillon later, because I think those guys are set up to have bigger roles than people think. And for AJ, uh, for Damian Harris specifically, I think he can really just walk into like a clear cut RB one starting role. Like James white will still do his thing as the receiver, but yeah. all these other backs like um, Stevenson, the rookie, he needs some time. Uh, Sony Michelle, I think is probably going to get cut. You know, they didn't even pick his, up his fifth year option. Like I think it's kind of yeah. <laughs> underrated the Damian Harris show in new England. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I cannot wait for the turnover to Mac Jones, because that's the only way I can see this happening where I can see him getting the wrestling touchdowns, like you said. And what I saw on tape, you know, the limited flashes we saw, man, it, he's explosive. He's physical. He can get outside. It's like, he has the qualities to be a lead running back for them. I totally agree. I'm a big fan. I was a big fan of his game, even in Alabama too. Like I thought he was a pretty good college prospect coming in and I'm excited that he's finally starting to mm. kind of get that opportunity. All right, Laquan, this has been awesome. We covered some recent news, some, some of the kind of the burning topics out there. Uh, we covered spicy takes. We covered good vacation shirts, always the summer vibe here when Laquan and I get on the mic together, tell the people out there, what are you working on? What's kind of coming up from you on all of your platforms? Well, you guys can catch me, you know, basically everywhere. Real Deal Fantasy HQ on all social media platforms and be on the lookout for some fire content every single week for the entire season. I love it. I love it. Make sure you tune into everything Laquan is doing at Real Deal Fantasy, as I mentioned earlier. Meanwhile, while you're waiting for that, we've got some exciting podcast updates here at Yahoo Sports. Check out the College Football Inquirer. 
Pretty good name there with our friends Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty from SI. Lots of absolutely insane stuff going on in the college landscape right now, so you definitely want to check that out. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. That's at Real Deal Fantasy. Check us out on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. Dalton Del Don will be back with another great episode tomorrow, but until then, we are out. <laughs>